RadioInfluence.com. We are back for another edition of the MMA Report Podcast with Dale Galvan. I am Jason Foy. It is Wednesday night, October the 12th. We're still a week away from UFC 280. Looking forward to that one. Of course, we do have a UFC event coming up this weekend. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, Dale, man, how's things going, man? It's going good, bro. It's like a chill week, right? It's been a chill month if you're a mixed martial arts fan. There's been some events, but... It hasn't been that steady stream of mixed martial arts force feed into all of our holes. But uh, next week, bro, get ready. Big pay-per-view. Then we got Jake Paul taking on Anderson. So, I mean, it's just uh, it's the calm before the storm, Jason. I'm just getting ready, bro. I'm getting ready. Are you ready for the takeover of Team Habib, bro? They're going to win the lightweight championship in two different promotions within a month span. No, the question is, are you ready? For Tito Ortiz, Shell Sonnen two in 2023. No, I, I uh, I'm not ready, and I I uh, I don't want to watch this fight. I, I don't know what to tell you, Jason. I mean, this is a fight that does nothing for me whatsoever. It didn't do anything for me the first time, and just running it back, I'm like, come on, Shell, are you not making enough money off of your five YouTube videos a day? Come on, I see those views. You, you're making big ad money. Do you really got to go in there with Tito Ortiz? I know Tito Ortiz probably needs money, but Chael, really? Come on. But uh, yeah, uh, who's promoting that event, by the way? Freedom Fight Night. Who's that? <laughs> Tito has done some stuff with stuff with them. Rampage has done some stuff with them. Um, I want to say they've done shows in Florida and in Texas. So, I mean, I, I just, I saw that on uh, the MMA Reddit as I was kind of getting ready for the show here today. And not a ton going on in MMA, by the way. <laughs> that was no. one thing that was pretty clear to me as I was getting ready for the show was there's not really a ton of things going on. I mean, we did have some things kind of come out uh, out of the MMA hour today. Uh, you know, Chartree, um, he had a very interesting comment today. You know, they're talking about everything, one championship, and, and they start talking about one doing an event in the United States. And... I was really baffled by something that came out of Chartres' mouth. And he just flat out just essentially comes out and says, hey, we're commission shopping. I mean, with I mean, he didn't use those exact words, but when he goes, yeah, you know, Rich is uh, going around talking to commissions about using our rule set. I'm like, yeah, you're commission. I, I could not believe he would literally admit in an interview they're commission shopping. Yeah, but... I, uh, I I think it's kind of refreshing that they're being transparent about it, right? We don't have a situation where they're pretending like they're not. But yeah, it's a look. It's a big no-no, I think, to come into this country and to commission shop because you're just going to piss off a lot of people, and that's something they probably should have avoided, and that's something that probably will happen if they go and, and they run an event because the commissions in this country, I think, ideally would like to be united. And I think someone kind of creating a division like that is is, is a problem. But, uh, you know, hey, I appreciate not being BS, but it does seem like more of a maybe him not thinking about what he's saying when he's saying it, right? Because it's clear. I mean, that's what's happening when it comes to uh, finding a venue for an American event. My understanding is back in 2019, they were going to do a show in the United States that it was going to be in Hawaii and that the understanding was it was going to be under the unified rules of MMA. Look, I 
Colorado is probably a place that potentially they could go. They've had conversations with Colorado in the past. I know there has been some uh, drawback from other regulators to the state of Colorado about potentially doing that. I think that if pure speculation here, if Colorado bends their rules and allows one championship to run the rule set that they run in Singapore, I think it's unlikely you will see the UFC in the state of Colorado for a long time. So you think, can you, can you walk me through this? Why would the UFC make that choice? Mark Ratner. Look, Mark Ratner is about the unified rules of MMA. And I just, I feel like that is something that would be used against the state of Colorado. I just, I mean, look, I think that it's the thing that everyone's going to look at is the need to a grounded opponent. I, I think if one championship would come in and say, we will take that rule out, but we still want to do our hydration tests, all that. I don't think they'd have a problem finding a commission that would regulate them. It's going to be that need to a ground opponent. Yeah, I think all in all, the, the solution should be simple. I just think they should adopt the unified rules. They shouldn't commission shop. And I think their product is, is amazing. I really enjoy watching 1FC shows. I'm glad they're on Amazon Prime. But I think bringing the product over to, to America, I think just adjusting to the regulation here makes a lot of sense because – I think when you're trying to build a footprint in this country, it's better not to rub people the wrong way, not to piss off very powerful people and, and, and adopt a rule set that is relatively safer when it comes to making those strikes illegal. And it makes a lot of sense for why knee strikes to a down opponent are illegal. I would be fascinated to know what one championship is truly drawing on Prime Video. That would be a really interesting kind of know. And I think that would kind of give us an idea of, in terms of a North American audience, how popular is one championship in comparison to the UFC, in comparison to PFL, Bellator, and all the other organizations out there. By the way, speaking of PFL... Of course, uh, I feel like, I mean, can, can I brush the shoulders off a little bit here? Last week on the show, I say Aspen Lad Julia Bud makes all the sense in the world. Apparently, PFLs listen to the podcast. Yeah, man. They're listening to the podcast. And if they're listening, I just got to tell you, this isn't a super fight. Okay. <laughs> okay. For the love all of right. God, this isn't a super fight. This is I heard that. I heard. On a I, heard I heard them call something else a super fight last week. And I was like. Can I get the definition of what is a super fight? It's a, like, oh, no, no, just, no. I know it was. It was Jim West, Aspen Lab's manager and coach. He called her versus Kayla Harrison a super fight. I'm like, huh? What makes that a super fight? I, I don't know. I mean, apparently a super fight is just a non-tournament main car bout, which just <laughs> ruins the word super fight. The whole point of super fight is to promote something. This is a super fight. Anderson Silva versus George St. Pierre. You need to spend money and watch this super fight. But if everything's a super fight, it's just a fight. And I'm sorry, but Aspen Ladd and Julia Budd is not a super fight. It's a fine fight. It's a great fight for the PFL women's featherweight division. It really is. It's a good yeah. fight. I've gone back and forth thinking who I think is going to win. I'm leaning towards Julia Budd upon Thinking about it, I really like the size of Julia Budd when it comes to maybe utilizing some wrestling in a matchup with Aspen Ladd. But look, frankly, I'm looking forward to the fight. I'm a little peeved off about the fact that it's a super fight. It appears as though the main card for that PFL pay-per-view is now locked in. Not super stoked about it. I will be purchasing it. 
it'll be a tough thing to explain as in terms of why I'm purchasing it, but I'm a sick fan of mixed martial arts, so I'll be watching. I'm just glad that Aspen's fighting at 145. You know, last couple of weight cuts for her have been incredibly scary. It will be interesting to see what does she look like size-wise on fight night in comparison to Julia. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think Julia is going to have the size advantage for sure, but um, it will be interesting. And then for Aspen, it's just a matter of even though it's a 10-pound difference, she's still got to make that cut right. And uh, I don't know how much weight she actually does cut, so it will be interesting. But, um, you know, the, the the card has rounded out. I'm uh, – I'm not any more interested in buying this the show. I'm kind of disappointed that that was the fight that was announced. I was looking for a fight that would maybe put this thing over the edge and be an additional reason for me to purchase this card. Lad Bud doesn't do it for me, but I do recognize it's a it's a good featherweight scrap. It really is. I mean, it's a fight that would certainly fit in in a UFC card in in the UFC featherweight division. Uh, two other uh, little notes to mention here before we get into agree, disagree. You guys in Healing Vibes out the referee, Mike Beltron. Uh, he tweeted about what he's been going through the last two weeks. So send the Healing Vibes out, out to Mike Beltron, one of the best referees in the games. Uh, also, who do we believe? Do we believe Alexander Volkanovsky? Do we believe Benel Dariush? Alexander Volkanovsky comes out earlier this week and says he is the backup plan if something were to happen with one of the fighters in next week's lightweight title main event. Benil Dariush goes, oh, this is news to me because I'm told I'm the fill-in. So it's kind of like, okay, UFC, have you literally told to, like, I almost believe it is more believable that the UFC has told both of them their backup plan. Oh, 100%. I believe them both. Like, why would you lie about this? I mean, if one person is going to lie... It's probably the guy who doesn't have a UFC championship, right? Volkanovski's should be pretty content with his career. He can call the shots. Also, gun to my head, who would I rather see in a lightweight championship fight? I love Dariush. He's a great fighter, but Volk's the answer every day and twice on Sunday. It's just a much more marketable fight. So, frankly, I believe both guys. There's no reason why Beno Dariush would just make something up, right? Like, if you're the UFC brass and you see that Dariush has just made this up, that probably pisses you off. I just think the UFC probably reached out to both fighters. But the thing is, like, are they were they going to go through with this? Like, were both these guys going to be there, you know, uh, being within the weight? I, I, it's perplexing. Maybe they should just fight. I did see a odd video of Charles Oliveira on my Instagram feed. Today. Mm, mm, mm. Yo, okay, based on this reaction, you must have seen the same video I saw. There's a lot of wrong, things that are wrong with this video, okay? There's a lot of things that are wrong, right? The First and foremost, you're talking about a video of Charles Oliveira walking a lion. Yes. So here's the first thing that's wrong. That lion looks so depressed, okay? What the hell are they doing? Why is a lion on a leash, okay? I, Dude, I don't know okay. if we need another off, Blackfish documentary, but that's just messed up. Did you notice what the leash was? No, I, I didn't. It was <laughs> like was that it? big chain you would go to Wall or to Home Depot or Lowe's and get. They got they had like the Rampage Jackson chain as his leash. Yeah, this is this is sad. This is uh, call PETA, call people who take care of animals. Uh, this is okay. like we're gonna see somebody pro like run into the octagon and protest. This is absurd. Lions should not be on a leash. That lion looked so sad, and I'm sad now. Okay, yeah, there, there's a lot of different things. But first off, Daniel, if I come to you, 
I go, hey, man, come to Rio Grande this weekend. I got I got this excursion for us. So I get to the Rio Grande. I don't even tell you what the excursion is. I'm like, oh, man, we got we to drive like 20, 20 minutes, man. We're going to get to this excursion. You're like, okay, cool. We're, we're doing whatever. And then we get out of the car. I go, oh, by the way, um, you're going to walk a line on a leash. I'm be like, oh, by the way, uh, hell no. Hell like like how is that a fun activity also you're it's it's just i saw this movie called beast and the whole movie is just a guy running away from a lion like i saw that like four months ago uh i i feel like a lion would also be really pissed off that he's being on a lead like this just yeah so the idea that this guy who's fighting in the main event of ufc pay-per-view is hanging out with a lion it's just that would be the most absurd reason for somebody to pull out like hey i can't fight i'm missing my right arm I, like who presents this idea to him and like who in team Charles Oliver goes, Hey man, you know, we're, we're a week out from, or whatever. I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe this, this was filmed weeks ago, but he does have blonde hair. No, so I'm, so I'm guessing it's been pretty recent. Like who goes, it goes, Hey champ. Um, you want to walk a line today? Yeah. Yeah, that person. I mean, now I don't there was know. now. If you notice in the video, it's a highly edited video. You you can like you're a video guy. I edit video as well. I can see the edit. There's one point where like it seems like maybe the lion handler tells Alvaro to stay back a little bit. Mm-hmm. See, I, I looked. I watched this video like five times. I watched it one time. I thought that was enough. But uh, yeah, I mean, I uh, I want the unet cut video of the. Uh, of things getting testy with the lion, but uh, dude, this was just—it uh, was mind blowing. I mean, if you're Dana White, your face has to be completely red, right? Like you're like, this is not F it Friday. What the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like it's like hey. it's like it's like Oliveira's camp saw that video of Habib wrestling a bear, and they're like, hold my beer. You know, I'm going to show you how to throw on a triangle choke on the king of the jungle because I'm the king of the UFC. Could you imagine being like that PR person in the UFC? You know, say you're Chris Costello. He's worked for the Rays here. Now. He's been working for UFC now for a couple of years. Can you imagine you, you knock on Dan's door at the, the Zufa offices? Hey, 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 Dana. Um, and, um, you been on Instagram today? <laughs> no, Chris, not happened on Instagram today. Okay, um, I'm going to send you a link. I just want to let you know what's going on with our fighters. Yeah, man, I mean... Who would you pick in a fight between a lion and Charles Oliveira? Like, what would the betting odds be? Minus a million for the lion? I don't know, dude. <laughs> Oliveira's got a sick guard. Like, he could throw an omoplata. And I feel like he could really, you know, take out one of the limbs. And I like Oliveira's strategy. So, I mean, I don't know if that's on bestfightodds.com. I don't know if the lion was told that he's a replacement fighter along with Dariush and uh, Volkanovski. But uh, look, I mean, back in the day in professional wrestling, you'd have guys go in there in the ring and wrestle a bear. And obviously the bear didn't know it was a professional wrestling match. So uh, look, I think if you put a muzzle on the line, I, I like Oliveira's chances to win a unanimous decision, maybe 29-28 in a three-round fight. Don't know about the cardio of the line, but I like Oliveira to win there. You talk about, speaking of that fight, other things that are just head scratchers. I saw this pop up on my Twitter timeline today. What's Did that? you see who allegedly is going to be Islam Mahachev's corner? No. Who? Hezbollah. I like Oliveira in this fight. <laughs> <laughs> Hezbollah's going to be in his corner? That is what is being reported. Yeah. Wow. 
Well, uh, so, uh, so I just I just did a, a search for it because I forget who the original one said it. Obviously, Trend Radars is clearly not the original source of the story. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's all over social media that he is going to be in the corner. Like, if that is legitimately true, Islam, bro, what are you doing? I know. Uh, give me Mike Perry's girlfriend in the corner over Hezbollah. Like, she definitely was someone I'd rather have there than Hezbollah. I mean, he's just going to be taking all the... I don't want someone in my corner that's taking away my shine, right? Like, I'm fighting for the lightweight championship, but I've got a meme guy in my corner that people are going to be paying attention to. Like, this is the greatest moment of my life. I've worked so hard. I've sacrificed so much. And it's and we're going to have Hezbollah. You know, who who, who Hezbollah's tight, okay. right? Like, yeah. All right. I, I might... I, I'm, you know, so... Uh, this all comes from Twitter, by the way. Um, I, found, I, I found a story on bjpen.com. Oh, okay. Which is a much more reputable site these days than it once was. So, uh, Fire Oracle uh, tweets at Ali Adelziz, will Hezbollah be in Machev's corner at UFC 280? Ali responds, yes. He, there's no way he's a licensed corner, man. No way. I don't think so. I don't think he no way Mark people. Ratner, who will be regulating this show for the UFC, is giving is giving Hezbollah a second license. Wasn't well, Hezbollah like a UFC employee now? Isn't he signed he like, like, uh, like I think he's basically he signed like an influencer deal. Basically, it would be cool if he just had the cards. If he could have like round one, round two, round three. If he was an octagon guy, I would be down with that. But uh, look, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of Hezbollah when we buy that pay per view. Oh, let me no. let me yeah. let me let me give you this. Let me give you this. Firstly, which camp right now do you think is the best camp in the world? Over in all of MMA, or in terms of this yeah, fight, in all of MMA, which who do you think is the top camp? Oh man, I mean ATT sticks out to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, AKA, you got to like what they do. Samford down in South Florida is another one. Yeah, man. I just, dude, I think if this Habib camp, if they're able to win the lightweight championship in both promotions with Usman winning, with uh, Islam winning, and if Muhammad comes out, because Bilal Muhammad's training with them, if he comes out and he beats Sean Brady and he looks like he went up a level, I mean, that, like I was watching the anatomy of a fighter of they did pre they're doing the releasing mm-hmm. of all the guys training, and it's just absurd how many damn warriors they have in there. You know, Zubera, Tukagov, all the Nurmagomedovs, uh, Muhammad's in there. It's like a camp of absolute killers, and I just feel like that team Habib camp is like quickly becoming the top gym in, in mixed martial arts. I mean, just the, the general philosophy and the way they train, it just feels like they're on something special. I mean, they've got to perform, and they have three huge fights to, to go ahead with it. But I'm just looking at this. I'm like, Nirmago Madoff's kind of, you know, keep continuing the legacy of his father. Mm-hmm. And he's if he's successful here with these group of guys, he's going to go down as one of the better coaches we've ever seen in this sport. I'm... So I'm just, I, I guess I should probably get away from Wikipedia because God knows if Wikipedia is right or not. It is right 100% of the time. That's what you keep telling yourself. <laughs> 
it's nuts to me that Brady Muhammad is not on the pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. I thought that was a main card fight. What, what's on the pay-per-view aside from the championship fight? Let, let, let me go to ESPN MMA because that is a much more reliable source when it comes to fight cards, uh, fight card yeah. placement. Um, yeah, that is the featured prelim. Uh, wow. Uh, Chukagian and Mino Fierot is your pay-per-view opener. Darush Gamrot, great fight. And then, of course, the top three fights that are part of that card. Yeah, I mean, it's a stacked card. I think, look, the the the, the logic is probably what's more marketable, the Muhammad fight or the Chikagian fight, and and the answer is the Muhammad fight. And it's probably more it's you know, it's probably more marketable than the Gamrot fight as well. And so they just thought, let's promote this as the feature fight. But uh, uh, yeah, that, that's a man. shocker. I mean, well, and also maybe maybe how much of that is trying to give ESPN a little bit of a marketable fight that's not a part of the pay per view. Yeah, I mean they they gave him the fourth best fight on that card. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the third best fight. That's a that's an that's a great fight. Yeah, dude, that's uh, I I love that fight. That might outside of the title fights, that'd probably be my my next favorite fight. Is it, I would. I'm still more hyped about Jan and O'Malley, but I see what you're going yeah. down. I mean, I'm just, I'm really intrigued about that. Yeah, I know. I don't, I mean, I was, we'll talk about more of this next week. I don't know what to expect out of Sean O'Malley against Peter Yan. I'm really not sure. I'm not sure either. Like I'm leaning towards Peter Yan. That's just what my head tells me. But, uh, you know, (laughs) O'Malley can shock the world. I mean, he is a three to one betting favorite in that fight. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but O'Malley has that like upside that it's like, you wouldn't be, even though he's a three to one dog, you wouldn't be shocked if he pulls off the miracle. Yeah. Is that, I guess that should be a, a three round fight. If that was a five round fight, that'd be interesting to see what O'Malley would look like in five rounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be interesting for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm actually looking forward to that show, maybe more so than most shows. I'm looking forward to watching that one during the day. It's a, I'm really hyped, man. Like I just, I feel like a, like an addict where I'm just like scratching my neck. I'm like, give me some high level mixed martial arts. <laughs> give me a good UFC uh, card. Like we'll talk about this week's UFC card here in a little bit, but you know, Ben folks, I thought he had a great point on on his podcast this week where he said, you know, obviously some of these apex cards are just some damn fights, but what it does do is. It, you really load up those pay-per-views where you look at it and you say, I have no problem dropping what's it, $85 after taxes now, whatever it is. I think it's like $85 for me uh, every time I buy it on, my, on, uh, on ESPN+. Plus. Like, But it's just loaded up to where you sit there and say, yeah, I don't mind forking over $85 for that. 100%. Yeah. I uh, And it's been like that for a couple of years now. And these pay-per-view cards are deep. The prelims are really good and really solid. And in addition to that, the fight night cards have also picked up in quality, right? Like what we've lost in the apex cards, you're seeing in that Orlando fight night that you're going to go to, it's going to be a good fight fight card. Yeah. They, they just put uh, tickets are going on sale this week. Actually not too bad price. I, I I was looking on Ticketmaster. I think like lower levels, like $125. It's like, Oh, that's not bad for a UFC card. No, man. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like the price of a pay-per-view and a half, right? It's not that bad at all. And it's a damn good fight card. Uh, I'm jealous that you're going to be in there for that one. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. You know. Did you know who they added as the co-main event? Who was, which fight was that? Ta Tuavasa. Oh, I love it. 
I, 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 this is the point where I, I feel like I need to be in the lower level just to get a little taste of how many people are trying to do shoeies if he goes out there and wins. I, I don't know if he's going to go out there and win, bro. I mean, so that's, that's a tough fight. All right. So in Orlando, Church Street is their party district. You yeah. know, it's, it's their, um, like here in Tampa, Ebor City is a party district. Soho is a party district. Church Street is like a, a Bourbon Street in New Orleans type, a lesser version, but it's a part. I'm like, Tatu Avasa is going to be on Church Street no matter what happens. He like, why do I feel like if I'm rolling? I'm, well, okay, I'll probably be there. I'll probably be on Church Street. Good chance I'll be there. Like, I feel like I'm going to roll into a bar. I'm going to see Tatu Avasa just doing shoeies out of different people's shoes. Yeah. And, and, uh, which would you I, give up? Would you give up your shoe for two of us to do a shoey out of it? A hundred percent. And then I would use my other one to do a shoey with him. Okay. Like I probably will never meet the Pope, but the opportunity <laughs> to do a shoey with Tai Tuavasa <laughs> would probably come close to that level of religious experience. I mean, that just sounds great. Look, Jason, if you are in the vicinity of Tai Tuavasa after the fight night, if I don't see you giving the man your damn shoe and you better wear your nicest pants. No, 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 no. A, a if, nice. if, you, if you're sitting there and you go, why is Jason FaceTiming like midnight? <laughs> you're going to go, oh, crap. Yeah. He's I'm with them. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm putting a shirt on and I'm answering that Facetime, bro. I'm answering that Facetime. I did see it's a a later uh, card for Orlando, 10 p.m. main card uh, start time there. So a little bit of a later later fight night card. Yeah, so they're treating it like a pay per view essentially in terms of the timing. It'll be a week before uh, 282, which I don't I don't think they've announced the main event yet. Is that John Jones? John Jones going to fight that's, that card? That's always been the speculation. It'd be Jones. Yeah. yeah. Do I Jones and Stipe? That's the one that, you know. I mean, I've heard that they really want to do Nganu, but I don't I don't see that one happening. I would love for that one to happen. I mean, yeah, the, the talks on Nganu has really cooled off lately. I mean, I know he had that quote last week that went pretty viral, but, yeah, I mean, Jones and Nganu, I mean, that's a huge fight. Was know? that the one about the money? Yeah, something about the money. I don't yeah. remember something. Yeah, dude, I feel like there's there's this article every week. It's just like when when fighter signs with PFL. I know it's true, but you just know it's gonna happen. I'm making more money now than I ever made in the UFC. Aspen Lad said today. Yeah, it happens like clockwork. I mean, I saw <laughs> one from Shane Burgos yesterday. It's uh, we got to get new narratives. I mean, it's true, but you know, you got to get some new narratives. That or uh, another Jake Paul article. Somebody, you know, Tyron Woodley came out. I was like, yeah, Jake Paul can knock him out. I was like, no, no crap. Tyron, we saw your fight with him, you know. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's uh, – I haven't quite decided if I'll watch that fight. I, I, it, I'm intrigued by it. Oh, yeah, I'm going to watch that fight. I'm in on it. To me, that's a great opponent for Jake Paul. And, uh, I mean, look, Anderson's the GOAT, and – in addition to the uh, Anderson Silva fight, I kind of look at that card right now, and I'm like, Uriah Hall and Le'Veon Bell, you know, sign me up. You know, I'm, I'm excited for that one. And then uh, the Nate Diaz ki- uh, boy, Chris Avila, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see him fight. He's fighting this guy called Dr. Mike, who is yeah, I guess a, a, like a YouTuber. Yeah, he's uh, um, the sexiest doctor alive in 2015. And uh, I like Avila's chances of destroying this guy. I really do. Yeah. 
if you would have come to you like six, seven years ago, go, hey, uh, one of the biggest stars in boxing will be someone who's got a YouTube following. You'd be like, no way. Yeah, but now uh, now Jake Paul and Logan Paul are literally taking on two of the goats within a short period of time, right? Jake Paul taking on Anderson and uh, Logan Paul, the WWE, taking on uh, Roman Reigns in his third professional match. Yeah, that 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 is crazy that they're already going. Uh, that Logan's already being thrown into that. I, I mean, that has to do with the fact that they're going to uh, to Saudi Arabia, but just crazy. He's getting he's how quickly he's he's gotten those big uh, those big opportunities in WWE. Yeah, man. I guess he must have the ear of Triple H or something. You know, he, he sounded like it when they had him on this podcast. So I was, I was, you know, I was a big WWE guy back in the heyday of DX. I turned that on the other day. I was like, good Lord, I am old. I know. Although Sean Waltman, because they had the DX reunion, uh, unfortunately, Billy, Billy Gunn couldn't be there because he's with AEW, but everybody looked old except for X-Pac. X-Pac, you know, he's bald with black, jet black hair. He looked old, but yeah, Sean and uh, Road Dog, uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I, I dug it. I, I watched the whole show. You know, wrestling's really feels like it's get, it's it's getting hotter and hotter each week, bro. Like, it's just, especially like WWE starting to, turn, like, Bray Wyatt came back. You know, Ariel Hawani's got a wrestling personality on every week. You know, WWE's getting hotter, man. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good time to, to be a wrestling fan, get in the wrestling business. And uh, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, we saw Daniel Cormier literally on a WWE pay-per-view on Sunday. I actually haven't seen that match. It's the only match I haven't seen because it was the main event. I just didn't watch it. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, Ronda Rousey won the championship again. Yeah, my uh, my buddy ran into to Bray a couple months ago here in Tampa because Bray lives here in Tampa, and he's like, he goes, I didn't realize. He goes, I was just talking to the guy, and he goes, you know, we, you know, and then he goes, and I go about an hour into it, I'm going. Oh crap! You've been talking to Bray Wyatt for like last hour. <laughs> he goes, he goes, just had a normal conversation. He didn't realize he was talking to Bray Wyatt, and he's a huge wrestling fan. Yeah, dude, Bray Wyatt is literally—he's a big dude. Like he's like probably he's, like six four. Uh, I don't know I don't if he's know. that tall. He's no, he's a he, he's a he's a stock a stocky type dude. Yeah, like, I've seen him around. He's 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 stocky. I would say. Yeah, maybe he was incognito. But uh, yeah, you would he used, think you would he, hear yeah. it in his voice. Yeah, he used to come into the gym that I uh, I go to. Did you guys just split the split the bench at the same weight? Nah, man, nah, man. Yeah, no, nah, I, I don't think we have the same workout, bro. I don't think so either, <laughs> man. I don't think so either. Uh, let's get into agree disagree. I found two uh, things that came out over the past couple of days, and the first one it appears on bjpin.com where. Ali Abdelaziz learned, well, apparently Fernando Lopez knows how to record your phone calls as he released a phone call audio that includes Ali Abdelaziz saying, I own, or he goes, I effing own the media. And so for those who are not aware, I try to give kind of the Cliff Notes version of why this has become a story. It is all related to a French heavyweight by the name of Slim Trabelsi. He was signed by the UFC. He was supposed to make his UFC debut at UFC 280, but after it comes out, there's an issue where his former promoter or 
last promotion he fought for, Aries FC, which is the promotion that uh, Fernando Lopez runs, did not let him out of his contract. Also, the fact that Fernando Lopez had a management deal with him. Slim wasn't happy. Apparently, reaches out to Ali Abdelaziz. We get to this point where these two guys are just arguing back and forth. And this is the quote uh, from this leaked audio. And this is uh, uh, Ali. Brother, France doesn't have S, brother. I effing own the media. Let's be real. Lopez goes, you don't understand me. I don't have any media. I do not. I do not. Ali, can I ask you a question? Why do you think Damon Martin doesn't put your story out he has a story i said hey please don't put it out i don't want this s why do you think he don't put it out because i don't want to put it out by the way not a great look for david martin not not a great look now look where i want to go agree disagree is does ali abdelaziz own the mma media here's why i go with this daniel i would not use the word own I think Ali has great leverage on the media. I do think if we're power ranking people who have leverage on the media, Ali is very high on that list. That I agree with. I don't think he owns the media. Um, The media is a large entity. There are a lot of people who he does not own. He does not have any leverage over. But a lot of the news breakers, a lot of the major names, he does. I mean, look at the NBA. Look at the reporting of the Draymond Green situation. Mm-hmm. There was an initial report that came out that was pretty clear. It was told from Draymond's perspective, and it was probably told through Clutch, which is the agent of Draymond. Look at the Emid Doki situation. Mm-hmm. It's pretty clear there was a narrative trying to be sent. So you look at some of the big names, Woj, Shams, um, In NBA, you can kind of pinpoint which agencies or which ownership groups have leverage on these guys. Yeah, someone pointed out the fact of uh, Iroka and Woj are both represented by the same agency in CAA. Now, look, it's one of the things of when we talk about Ali, I mean, look, he has his media members that he goes to. It's not hard to figure out who they are. If I'm David Martin, I kind of pick up the phone and go, Ali, man. I know you didn't know you're being recorded, but bro, this don't make me look good. Now, to Dan Martin's defense, he actually did put an article about this out there two weeks previous. Now, some of the other key points to mention about this. Mention about how Fernando Lopez has a management deal, uh, his management company called Management Factory. Uh, Fernando Lopez, uh, in this article with BJPen.com, says that Ali Abdelaziz allegedly went on to threaten him and told him he was going to hurt him if he didn't let Slim go. Uh, this is Lopez as a quote to uh, BJPen.com. We are now going to court, and I will prove to the court that I was right. I have also have had other managers reach out to me and tell me to not let this fight go because Ali steals their fighters too. No one has the courage to speak up. I'm not scared, so I stood up. Uh, now look, fighters get poached all the time. It, it, like it, it, you know, it's not you know, it, it's a general thing. This isn't an Ali thing. It's just you hear stories all the time about fighters being poached from one management agent to another. It just it happens all the time. You know, it, it's one of these things of like in the MMA media game, managers do have leverage over the media because for us. 
it's typically easier for us to work with a management company as opposed to working with a direct uh, agency. Now I'll say this, if you hear a dominance MMA client on the MMA report podcast, it because the promoter reached out to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's in, in, in media, it's a push and a pull because the managers are offering something to these, to people in the media, they're offering news. They're giving them the opportunity to break the news. They're giving them the interviews with the big subjects. And there's an expectation that, hey, you're not going to burn me. Hey, I, you know, you, you aren't going to do me bad. And it, it, it's a reality because logically it kind of makes sense for, for why it happens. But I can tell you this, those listening to the, the MA report, I personally have no manager in my ear. No one talks to me except for my girlfriend. She's the only one that has leverage on me. So I will say whatever I want to say, unfiltered, without caring. But I mean, it, it speaks to the fact that Ali doesn't own the entire media when this article came out. You would think uh, he wouldn't want this one out. Unfortunately for Slim, he's now in this kind of unknown situation of what's going to happen with him. And you know, part of the story where is Mick Maynard basically telling Fernand to tell Ali, you guys need to get this squared away. Until it's squared away, he's not getting in the UFC. It's, you know, it, it's one of those things of, I mean, look, Slim probably felt that Fernand Lopez was not getting him the fights that he wanted. He went out there, but there is a contract. Now you're getting lawyers involved. And I mean, look, I, that's what I would say is I would not agree that Ali owns the media, but Ali to me, and he's like any other manager, any other promoter, what they're trying to do is they want to control the narrative with their fighters and they only want to put the fighters on with people that they control. Now I will say this. Uh, Ali has personal vendettas against people in this MMA industry. If you're looking at what's best for your client, I don't I do not know why you would try to stop them from being on the MMA with Arrowhead because it's the biggest MMA show there is. Even though it does seem to be uh, as much about professional wrestling as it is MMA now. Yeah, which it it uh I'm not complaining. I love pro wrestling, but yeah, it's uh the biggest platform outside of the UFC, outside of ESPN that there is. Like I would say even more so than like having your client on a Fox Sports show. It's more valuable to have it on the MMA hour. I mean, just look, just look, just look at mixed martial arts websites mm -hmm. on Tuesday and Thursday. It is the water cooler conversation. It is the spin zone. It is the narrative zone. The MMA hour. It's the it's the it's the place where you can promote yourself. It's the place where the PFL and One FC have gone to to grow their product mm -hmm. to get more people thinking about it. It's where Shawtree went. To, to release the news of the DJ super fight that happened, uh, you know, with a, a while ago for that one one ten card, it's uh, it, it's just the, it's the name of the game, and and to have a personal vendetta against the guys which holds your fighters back, you're not serving your fighters, but you know the people that are in his camp do follow him blindly. Uh, that is something we've seen where it's just. Uh, you know, he's, he's successful for a reason. He knows how to navigate these okay. types of relationships. And that is something he's incredibly skilled at. And he has the ear of the UFC, which is a valuable thing if you're a mixed martial arts fighter. And it's more valuable than maybe going on the MMA hour or doing media it is to have someone who has the deal. But on the flip side, you might get burnt whenever there's questions of his if the loyalty is towards you or towards the promotion. And we've seen that. 
put into question at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Uh, number two here, Daniel Cormier. Juliana Pena's work hasn't warranted an immediate rematch versus Amanda Nunez. So this is what Cormier said on his show DC and RC. The work hasn't warn- warranted an immediate rematch because if not, then every champion that loses gets an immediate rematch. It's not like that. It just doesn't work that way. Amanda got an immediate rematch because she's Man Nunez. Jose Aldo didn't get an immediate rematch, and he was the longest reigning featherweight champion of all time. Sometimes you got to move on to get back. I think Juliana's in that position. I don't know if the work that she's put on paper warrants it. Just because she survived in the last fight, I think she might have lost every single round of that fight. Who's to say that if Nunez fights Caitlin Vieira, who has put together a nice win streak, has beaten two former champions, how do we know that that doesn't play out in that way? We have no idea that gal, Thalia Santos, was going to fight Valentina Shevchenko in the way that she did. We didn't. So it's like you got to give it to the next person. I just don't think the work that she's put on paper warrants an immediate rematch. I agree wholeheartedly. I, I don't think we need to see a rematch. It was a, it was an ass beating. I mean, that was an absolute beatdown. It was Amanda returning to form, and it was it was just it wasn't close at all. And it was something where Juliana got brand new points for surviving for so long in that fight. Um, simply put. Outside of the win over Amanda Nunez, the only win Juliana Pena has over a fighter that is still in the UFC is Sarah McMahon. That's the list. That's the only non-Amanda Nunez win she has over a UFC fighter. The resume isn't impressive. The win over Amanda is fantastic, and it's great. And it puts her in a position, in my opinion, to get one single fight, get a victory, and get back in the title picture. But because of how wide that fight was, or a man that clearly showed she was the better fighter. I do agree with DC. I don't think it's time to go for an immediate rematch. So Juliana Pena had this Instagram post the other day and it says this, everyone keeps asking me what's next. I'm getting my belt back. That's what's next. A trilogy with the man Nunez is a fight to make. I did everything I said I was going to do going into the first fight. I gave a man the immediate rematch within six months and man, maybe I should have sat out for two years. Like she does. She told y'all she could have finished me in round two, but I guess she wanted to get her face rearranged for three more rounds and leave on a stretcher instead. She had to go home and change and revamp her entire style to beat me. I take it as a compliment. She outsmarted me the second time. I'll give her that. We are 1-1, one, one, and this time I will not miss. First off, okay, here's what I don't quite understand. So she starts tagging people in this Instagram comment, and some of them I'm like, why? At Dana White, okay, makes sense. At Chad underscore Bronstein, no clue who that is. Ric Flair, why are you tagging Ric Flair? What does Ric Flair have to do with you getting a trilogy matchup? Am I missing something here, Daniel? I, you're not. I, I don't know. I, I she, don't know. Charlotte Flair's in this one. Mike Tyson's in this one. Like, what do they have to do with you getting a me a rematch? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's, uh, I feel like, uh, yeah, I think maybe Mick Maynard, Sean Shelby, like those would probably be the, the people I'd go to right after Dana. 
I don't think I would look towards um, WWE Hall of Famers uh, to, to, to get this fight made, right? I don't think Ric Flair has much pool in the UFC or Charlotte. I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out who this guy Chad Bronstein is. Yeah, maybe uh, who's, 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 who's the Bron? He's the CEO of F-Y-L-L-O, whatever the hell that is. Philo? Oh, uh, Tyson's Cannabis Company. Maybe, uh, maybe once again, are. what do they have to do with the UFC's decision? Do you get a trilogy matchup? <laughs> oh, it's it's his, it might be his agent, her agent. It's probably her agent. Maybe I'm not sure who she's represented by. Well, I just I looked up Chad Bronstein, Juliana Pena. Yeah, he's the he's the he's Juliana's manager, so I can see why. I mean, so he's with KO reps. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so that's why. So may, and maybe maybe Rick and, and Mike are also his clients, and maybe the the clients of Chad Bronstein just roll deep on social media. You know, it's like you know we 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 rep each other. Yeah, I, I just like I mean, like, look, I understand what DC is saying, but like, I also look at this in a way of if I am Dana White, I'm Hunter Campbell, I'm all the executive at the UFC. Payton Nunez three is the fight to make. Okay, it's the most marketable fight. I just don't. I just it's not a fight I would make it because I really believe in building the legitimacy of the sporting aspect of it. <laughs> you know, Do you forget what what's, what uh, promotion we're talking about here? I know, I know, I know, but it's just it, the redundancy of the immediate rematch and the immediate rematch. It just eats itself, and it it's just there are other people that exist in the women's bantamweight division that are doing great things. Vieira, Irene Aldana, good names, interesting challenges. There's plenty of time on Juliana's side. Literally, all she needs to do is just win one more fight to justify a fight. Juliana winning one more fight. Simply put, Peña Nunez, the trilogy, would do less buys if they did it now versus if Juliana won an impressive performance and came back looking revitalized, in my opinion. I believe they would do more buys with Juliana's stock on the up than having come off the fight with Nunez. My guess, it's a co-main event. There's another title fight that's above it. Yeah. I think so. Maybe I mean, like, uh, look, I, I understand where DC is saying Caitlin Vieira. I totally get that. Like, let's just say you booked a man Nunez versus Caitlin Vieira. So do you do Pena versus home Pena versus Aldana? Oh, I think um, I think Pena versus Aldana is the fight to make. I mean, that's a tough fight for Juliana. It really is. But it's also a fight she could win by using her wrestling. Yeah. But on the feet, I mean, I think Aldana is, I mean, clearly the superior of the fighter. I mean, you know, yeah. I think, I mean, Irene Aldana is one of the more impressive strikers they got at women's bantamweight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, for the most part, I would say I would overall agree with what Dan Cormier had to say there and, and his reasoning behind it. But I would just think from a, a marketing aspect that probably the, the trilogy matchup is, is what's next. Now, of course, what's coming up this weekend, UFC Vegas, I believe it's number 62. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Uh, we got uh, a, a Notable female matchup headlining this fight card of Alexa Grasso and Viviana Rujo. Uh, Alexa Grasso today saying that she feels like this is like a semifinals type fight for her to get that title matchup. You got Cub Swanson make his 135 pound debut at 38 years old, dropping down to 135 pounds to take on Jonathan Martinez. Why, why do I feel like Daniel, like 
I feel like you're going to tell me your favorite fight is Askar Askarov versus Brand Roy Val on this card. Oh, dude. You know I love my flyweights. Dude, my two favorite fights are like flyweight fights on this card. Dude, seriously, like, okay, Askar Askarov, Brandon Roy Val should be the main event. Okay, Askar Askarov and Roy Val are awesome. It's a hell of a flyweight fight. The winner puts himself in position to maybe challenge for flyweight championship. And then, bro, on the prelims, this dude, Tetsuro Tyra, really, really good flyweight out of Japan. And he's got a good matchup against CJ Vergara. High action, volume, aggressive flyweight that probably shouldn't be as big of a dog as he is against a 22-year-old Tetsuro. So, bro, I'm all about the flyweights. When I look at this card, I think two things. One, we got the flyweights kicking butt and taking names. And two, this could be the RIP WEC card because we got both Cub Swanson and Rafael Sunset in fights that I think are set up for maybe Jonathan Martinez in Cub's case and Victor Henry in Rafael's case. It's a Joe Silva type matchup, and these are some of the last names we have of the WEC competing at a high level, along with the dominant Cruz. You know, must-win fight for a sunset. I think he's dropped four in a row, and they are not doing him any favors going up against Victor Henry. What was odd uh, today at the media day, Cub Swanson goes up there and doesn't say anything. He has one of his teammates give his answers for him, which could be taken in, in different ways. Maybe he just wanted to be funny or maybe he really didn't want to talk to the media. And, uh, you know, that's why it'll be interesting to see what he looks like on the scale on Friday morning there uh, in Las Vegas. Um, you know, looking at some other ones, I, I love me some Mono Martinez. Uh, you know, I've had a chance to talk to Mono, you know, several times over the years. And, you know, his last fight, he's down two rounds and nothing to Ronnie Lawrence. And James Krause basically says, all right, dude, you're down 2-0. You got to go knock this dude out. And he goes out there and puts on a hell of a performance in the third round. Uh, and unfortunately, does not walk away with winning a near decision uh, loss from him. You know, there's a fight we have not mentioned. Wait, which one is it? You got to go down the fight. You got to go down the fight uh. card. You know what I'm. You know what I'm teeing up. I don't know if I've ever seen a guy like Pete Rodriguez in a fight where he's this big of a favorite, where he's four and one with the you know one UFC loss this young in his career, and massive yeah. favorite against the truth, Mike Jackson. Yeah, we it's all know his- Mike Jackson had the DQ win his last time out, which got him another fight in the UFC. Uh, yeah, I mean, you got to imagine that the UFC has basically said, hey, Pete, you're a guy. You got to take him out. We got to get rid of this guy. I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe Mike's just a cool dude to hang out with. You know, uh, he's got experience um, training for a very long time. I think, uh, I think Pete will probably win on the feet. But, uh, I mean, hey, you know, he, he didn't look good against Jack Maladonna in his UFC debut. Uh, it, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a fight I'm looking Mal- forward to. Dude, Mal- Maladonna's a real deal, man. That kid's a oh, real yeah. deal. He's super cool. But, uh, you know, Serkinov and Alonzo Menifield, that's a that's a good little light heavyweight scrap. Yeah, Serkinov moving back up to 205 pounds after uh, spending some time there at 185 pounds. Uh, Maximoff and Malkoon could be interesting, especially if that one hits it's the mat as well. But, I mean, look, it's it's an okay fight night card. Nothing that gets you extremely excited. I mean, one thing is, is I'm sure we will get a ton of promotion for UFC 280, which memo UFC. If people are sitting at home on Saturday watching this fight card, they're watching UFC 280. 
A hundred percent, right? This is the hardcores of the hardcores. These are the people like me who are sick freaks and love watching Asker Askoff and Roy Val fight. They know all about Arajo and Grasso. I mean, look, just to just to give my picks for some of the more notable fights, I'll say this. I think Grasso beats Arajo, Jason. I think this fight will probably stay standing, and I think Grasso's the better stand-up fighter. But Vivian has the ability to score takedowns, and Grasso's takedown defense isn't great. I think Swanson... Is gonna is gonna look good at 135. I, I think he's gonna show his power against Jonathan Martinez, Ooh. and I think he's gonna pull off the upset. I just uh, I'm I'm riding Swanson here. I know Martinez, in addition to being a good striker, is also pretty good with his grappling and wrestling, but uh, I, I like Swanson. And between Askarov and Royval, it's tough to pick Askarov here because like you know what Askarov wants to do, and he's probably gonna do it. And I am picking him, but if Royval is able to get back up to his feet, this is Royval's fight to win. So I mean, I, I like Askarov, I like I like Swanson, and I like Grasso. I do like Grasso. I think Grasso wins by decision. I mean, the one, the one knock on Grasso would be is she doesn't have knockout power. Um, I think she's going to stay away from from the power that Arujo has. Swanson to me, it's all about. I want to see what he looks like on the scale before I kind of figure out. I mean, I, you tell me right now, I got to make a pick. I, my pick would be Jonathan Martinez, uh, Askarov, Roy Val. My heart wants Royval. He's a you know, good good friend of the show. Uh, but I, I think that's likely an Ascar Askarov fight. Uh, uh, oh, look, I, I just wanted the best fight odds to see if there was a under one and a half round prop out there on Jordan Wright and Tesco Dorovich. Whatever that under one and a half is, I don't care if it's minus 500. It's best bet of the card. Jordan Wright just doesn't. Um, look, he just doesn't make it out barely out of the first round. Uh, I like Minifield. Uh, against Serkinov. Look at the prelims. Maybe an uh, interesting underdog to potentially look at here. Oof, man. Oh, man. There's not a lot of great underdogs that stick out to me. Look, I I, I like... Uh, okay, I'm not picking him to win, but Vergara in that flyweight matchup. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the dip the, the way he could win is just by throwing more strikes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the one underdog I like there, but I'm still picking Tetsuro to win. But he got a young kid going up against Vergara who has been proven in a lot of good fights, has performed well. And you look at those odds, I, I kind of like him in, in that matchup. But, uh, yeah, I mean, my two dog picks are Swanson and and I guess Vergara. I would put down some cheddar even though I'm picking his opponent. But I didn't realize Jordan Wright's never gone the distance. That's, uh, that's yeah, freaking no, no. crazy. Literally he, never. Not a no, single never, fight no. even before the UFC. That's crazy. Yeah, just take on one and a half on him. Uh, I'll be in Pittsburgh this weekend. Uh, Going to go Lightning Penguins on Saturday night. Looking forward to checking out that arena. And uh, then, of course, Sunday, I got Bucks and uh, Steelers. So uh, I got an early fight on Saturday morning to get up to Pittsburgh so I could do my show on Stochastic at uh, 3 o'clock uh, East Coast time. And, uh, Daniel, I got to bring the hoodie with me. It's 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 like going in the 40s and 50s. Like, I can't really wear a hoodie outside of the house here in Tampa because, well, it's... Bro, it's weird. I don't know what it's like in Rio Grande right now. I get out of my house. I go outside, you know, go to the office at, you know, 7 30, o'clock in the morning. It's like high 60s. By noon, it's like 85 degrees. Yeah, we're in a similar boat, my man. It's pretty chill in the morning and then it's hot. And today, oof, it was humid. I mean, just walking from my car to my office, I was, uh, I was already, you know, ready to cut some weight. It felt like I was a UFC fighter in a sauna. It was rough. By the way, if we got any people in the Pittsburgh area, if you got any recommendations, maybe for a, a good bar that's uh, around the arena, I'd appreciate that. As uh, when Knowles are playing Clemson that night, I'm not expecting Knowles to win, but <laughs> I'm not expecting yeah. it all the way for the win. But yeah, if you can tell me a cool bar, I'd appreciate it. 
Yeah, yeah, you'd be good for the first half. You can watch it, and then once the score is out of hand, you can you can head on home. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you only go to Pittsburgh what once every eight years or once every seven years, right? Yeah, so, so I not- want to say I want to say the last time we went there was maybe like. 2016 2017 2018 somewhere in that range yeah so i mean it's not one of those places you frequent much when i think of pittsburgh i don't even think of a particular food i don't know what you get there you get oh it's at uh pittsburgh, pittsburgh cheesesteak no there's uh panini uh, god what's panini brothers or whatever that's like the big uh sandwich shop up there but it's no hmm. longer the, it's no longer the big ketchup bottle no longer yeah, Heinz Field is it's no longer Heinz Field, it's some other name. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's always Heinz Field to me. It's one of the it's like the, the Staples Center, Heinz Field. Nope. Yeah. The one thing I remember the last time we were there was um to the right the end zone that was to the right of us. They had a bunch of uh food trucks, which I thought was kind of a very cool because like it was like a very open area. So I, I remember that being kind of a little cool cool little spot. Yeah, I think you were thinking of pre pre Monte sandwiches. Pre 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 Monte sandwiches. Pierogies, Pittsburgh salad, potato. Pierog- it's, yeah, it's per- pierogies. Those are pierogi. those are the. That's like the Pittsburgh staple up there. Yeah, so I guess you got to get a pierogi. I'll be in the valley. I'll be eating some tacos. I literally saw that the taco shop we had down here was on the uh, Today Show. Maybe it was Good Morning America. I don't know. It's Hispanic oh. Heritage Munch. Yeah, it's Hispanic Heritage Munch, and so they came out and did a live shot here. And yeah, Nana's Tacos. Shout out to them. They were on uh, national TV this morning, or maybe yesterday. I saw it on my social media. So is there like a particular taco that's like their signature taco? No, I don't think so. I've been there quite a few times. I don't think, I just, they just make good tacos. Like it's the place, you know, I used to work at a TV station and in a TV station for the television reporters, it's a revolving door of reporters fresh out of college signing two, three year contracts. And whenever they sign deals, that's usually the place uh, they will go. That's the place the boss recommends to go and take them. Be like, here's the Rio Grande Valley. Tacos. <laughs> and you can't go wrong uh, with any of their tacos. But um, yeah, there isn't a particular one that comes to mind. It's just all good stuff. Yeah. I, you, I don't, I've never felt like you were a taco guy. Uh, it's Look, you know how I like chicken wings. I mean, chicken wings is my favorite. I do love tacos. I'm from the Rio Grande Valley. I, mean, my, I, I eat breakfast tacos every morning. Yeah, either that or oatmeal, but usually breakfast tacos. So I do love tacos, but it's not my favorite. My favorite is chicken wings. I mean, it's just uh, if you know, whenever I die, bury me in a in a, in a sub, uh, you know a box of buffalo wild wings, <laughs> half lemon pepper, half hot. It's it's been a while since I've been to B Dubs. Yeah, it's uh, man, maybe I'll go for UFC two eighty. You know, I, I I would be down to go for the Jake Paul fight. It seems like something I'd rather go to a Buffalo Wild Wings for than pay for. I yeah. I'm, uh, where am I? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, the, the week of the Jake Paul fight, we play on Thursday, so I really have nothing to do on the weekend. But yeah, that would definitely be a fight that I will probably try to find a, a, a sports bar that's showing it. I don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll probably spend more money going to a bar than than I would have to order the pay per view. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, especially if you're there for the whole fight card, you know, round after round, beer ain't cheap at a place like that. Well, you got to have that fighting spirit in you. <laughs> I'm, tell, I'm, I'm trying to get that Modelo sponsorship. Give me, I'll, I'll be your fighting spirit, Modelo. So is that your favorite beer right now? I, no, it's not my favorite one. I don't, I don't uh, mind drinking them, though. They, they're, 
I feel like I could probably drink a hundred of them. If Jason, if well, Jason well, not, okay, not not a hundred. I shouldn't say that. Yeah, I was gonna say that's like Andre the Giant numbers. What? Uh, what? Okay, I, I, feel, I feel like I could easily put down six pretty easy. Yeah, I'm. I when I'm going crazy, we're we're talking twelve, but usually six is my nightcap. I feel like like that would be a good beer. Like if you're on the golf course, you're out fishing, you know. You, you maybe you're out like having an all day thing with the boys, like Modelo. I I can see my drink. Yeah, you, know, you know, if I'm going, if it's gonna be like an all day thing, I can't be just pounding Stellas. Like you know, that, that's just not gonna. End oh, well. that's your favorite beer, right, Stella? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm a Stella guy. Yeah, yeah, my favorite is Blue Moon, the Orange Slice. It was the is is one of the first beers I had. Where I was like, damn, this is amazing. And I just, and I think I got it at Buffalo Wild Wings. I think I may have got it when I was 20. It may have been the first beer I ever got when I was 21, which obviously I never drank before. But uh, it's the first one I ever right, bought legally. Right. Right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm kidding. We all, we all, you know, I, in Texas, is, I don't know. Is PBR more than a Texas thing? Is that a. No, P- that's, a na- that's a national brand. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cheap beer. I dig it. Yeah. And, PBR and, is the first. And people beer. who want to drink PBR, it's got to be out of the can. Yeah, yeah, I did it out of the can. I want, uh, I want to say my first beer was an Ice House. And that's what it was called? Yeah. I've never heard of Ice House. Oh, yeah. Is that a Florida beer? No, no it was National oh. Beer. Oh, damn. It wasn't a Zima? I'm, I'm just saying when you take what you can get. Yeah, I know, exactly. That's, that's why I, I was, I was, I was never a Natty Light person. Yeah. I, I never forget, like... After I was out of college, and uh, I went out with a buddy who was who was seeing a college girl, and uh, the bar was like nickel, like a uh, quarter natty light night. They're like, oh, natty lights are a quarter. I'm like, I got money. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, and the water is free. You know. My mom was uh, my mom drank natty light forever when she drank. That was her beer, natty light. Wow. That's a second. My dad, my dad was Budweiser. Yeah, I like that one too. That's 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 part of my Mount Rushmore, right? It's, it's Budweiser, it's Blue Moon, in Texas, it's a beer called Shiner Bach, and I don't know what makes up the rest of the Mount Rushmore. There's a, it could be. I'm a big Texas Rangers fan, but there's a beer called Crawford Bach, which is an Astros themed beer that is actually okay. one of my favorites. Yeah, it's really good. Have you? I'm guessing you probably can get the Stone Cold beer in in Texas, right? I've never had it. I've Googled it, and I didn't Google that hard. I would love to have that IPA though. It sounds great, but I've never had the IPA. I've looked, but I haven't looked that hard. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a huge IPA guy. Me neither. But I would drink Stone Cold's urine if it was offered to me. So, uh, <laughs> I, I. It's crazy how <laughs> the two biggest WWE wrestlers of all time. Both just sell liquids, right? You can get the the Rocks tequila. You can get a Zoa energy drink. Steve Austin, you get his IPA. I don't know what it is. Rock's been in my TikTok algorithm. I'm I'm guessing he must have a movie coming out. Well, he has the Black Adam coming out. He has the young the young Rock is coming out, and he just released a show called Tales from the Territories, which is like Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah, I've I've noticed that there's a popular question he's being asked. In all these interviews, are you coming to wrestle WrestleMania? It's in relation to that. So, are you the head of the table? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's match. That match is going to happen. Like 
every week Roman Reigns is coming out and calling himself the greatest of all time. It's like, all right, they're setting up the match, you know. Oh, yeah, they're going to do. Yeah, I think they're going to do it. The question is, who will win? It'll be very interesting. Rarely do you see The Rock did lose to John Cena when they had their their trilogy of matches, but he won also. Uh, but yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But um, you do, I gotta say, big recommendation for Tales from the Territories. It's uh, they have two episodes out. Where's they tell it? Us, Where's the stream? It's on. It, it's Vice. It's the guy who did Dark Side uh, of the Ring. Oh, uh, okay. They, right. It's literally they do the first episode was about the Memphis Territory, and they have like a roundtable of all these like legendary wrestlers like Jerry the mm-hmm. King Lawler, etc. And they're telling stories like five stories. One of them was literally about a famous wrestler who came in hit Jerry Jarrett in the back of the head with, and then he, Jerry Jarrett put, because the, the rival promoter put him up to it to just come in the ring and try and embarrass Jerry Jarrett. So Jerry Jarrett fires back and knocks him out of the ring. The guy comes out with the blade and it ends with Jerry Jarrett using an old technique to pop the guy's eye out in the middle of the ring. He is defending us. Yeah, I, I, I still say, man, like the the craziest professional wrestlers I ever went to was ECW. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, when they were really extreme championship wrestling. Oh man, this like I'm sure I've told on the show. Like I'll never forget, my brother took it took me to it, and like literally we're walking in, and dudes have two by fours they're carrying in, <laughs> and like they would have like you know. Cooking sheets, frying pans, and then like just hands to the wrestler, wrestler like douche. Yeah, yeah, it's uh it's 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 an magical time, the ECW era, the craziness. That see that? Was. See, see, that's where you need like a thirty for thirty on ECW. That's not a WWE version of the story. Yeah. Hmm. It's uh, there's because so, I mean there were so many drugs in that locker room, so many guys performing absolutely loaded, guys doing crazy stuff. I mean, I think they did a dark side of the ring on the mass transit incident, which is that rest that fan who came in and nearly died from New Jack. Yeah, dude, I saw New Jack jump off the top of a U-Haul truck and smash through like three tables. <laughs> yeah, that's just what New Jack did, man. You know, Dude, like, was... so, like some of this, like I saw literally Devon Dudley get hit in the nuts, and he literally laid there for ten minutes because you can hear him say he hit me in the nuts. <laughs> oh, I love it. Dude, those shows were insane. Like, I don't know if you could run that kind of show in today's world. Certain aspects. I mean, there are hardcore wrestling shows that go on. Crazy crap happens, but you'll never get that sense of recklessness again. There are hardcore shows that do crazy stuff, but there was a certain spirit that was just not only about wrestling, but it was about that time, right? In the 90s, the early 2000s. That's just something we'll never put back in the bottle. That 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 time, and I I, I talk like that. I was literally three years old. But Dude, I, you know. I was. I mean, that was the heart of me being a professional wrestling fan in high school. I mean, you're talking about that time. I mean, DX and NWO were the huge thing. I mean, it was like I, I remember growing up, and you're always kind of like, all right. So are are we like the out the out crowd that we actually like, like watch professional wrestling? And then you then you quickly realize, no, man, this is this is the cool crowd. <laughs> Yeah, man, it was so damn popular. It was so damn popular. And yeah, yeah. 
Hopefully we get back there one day. I don't think so, but uh, you know we're working towards it. I, I saw the Bray Wyatt from Extreme Rules. I thought that was, I thought that was really cool. The presentation of that. Oh yeah, so much thought went into it, and it was just a an amazing moment. Uh, yeah, and yeah, it was great, great stuff. And then you know Daniel Cormier, God, who would who would have thought like five years ago how much UFC talent would work their way into WWE programming? I feel like. If you look at the UFC Heavyweight Championship, you may have had more fighters that have won that championship than not perform in the WWE in some <laughs> form or fashion. I mean, you know. Uh, it's unreal. It's unreal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you think about Matt, Rid- Matt Riddle, who is now, you know, one of the big superstars for them. It's a guy who essentially left MMA because of how many failed uh, marijuana tests he had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now he's one of the biggest stars in, in, in the world, as you said. And uh, who knows? Maybe he'll make a comeback to the sport. Maybe Matt Riddle versus Jake Paul. <laughs> he's got he's got Russell Logan first. Then yeah, that sets good. it up. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I'm actually, I, he, I was going to say, I think Jake, if he beats Anderson, I think his next fight is either Nate or Floyd Mayweather, but probably Nate. There was talk about Nate fighting Floyd. Oh, hey, damn, if I Nate can that. get that, man, good for him, man. Good for him. If he can get that. Yeah. yeah. I guess Saki Obaro's open to, to being the promoter for it. Takaraba? Yeah. Oh, damn. In Japan? Yeah. yeah I think Floyd at this point just is going to do a bunch of crap, but he's probably not going to risk the professional record. Oh, totally. Totally, yeah. It's a, yeah. Smart, it's a smart play. But uh, we appreciate everyone tuned in for this episode of the Ameriport Podcast. Last night, I don't know, 15 minutes. Probably just me and Dan just sit here <laughs> BS. So hopefully you enjoyed that if you made it to this end of the show. Uh, of course, uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that definitely helps us out. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Ameriport Podcast, which comes out every Wednesday and Sunday on RadioFools.com, your favorite podcasting platform. I'm Jerry P. Tuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist, so thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. 